Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me, as always, is Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Hey. I didn't take the time to think of your long list of titles today, so... It's okay. You had a long night. (laughs) (laughs) well this is a another podcast episode that we're doing in conjunction with the podcast christ our treasure so uh our friend tim scott is with us hey guys and i'm the one that had the long night because my bangles lost (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway i think matt he's a bangles fan too slightly He's just subdued. Anyway, we don't care about the Bengals. Super Bowl, Super Bowl football's <laughs> over with, so we're moving on to bigger and better things. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. This is a series we started, I believe, at the end of last year. We haven't haven't gotten back to it until today, so that's our topic today. Before we delve any further, make sure that. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, that you subscribe on your favorite podcast. Uh, also, do us a favor of rating our podcast. I guess that helps it show up better. I rated and it. Draw more attention to it. So, like it. And um, I'd love to have hate mail. So, uh, any hate mail you got for us, especially if it's hate mail for Matthew, I would I would love to torment him with uh, that. So. I see how this works. We, he'll probably just throw it in the trash and then we'll never, <laughs> we'll never see the light. Never let you see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, or he'll send hate mail to me. <laughs> <laughs> Change the name, write out the name, just, just put yours, <laughs> copy just it. Print a paper and say, look at this email I got. Can you believe this? <laughs> he really hates you. <laughs> so. Anyways, just do us a favor, and if you enjoy our podcast or certain episodes, be sure to share them with friends. Our our whole point is to uh, encourage uh, conversations about Christian theology, and especially to think through these issues practically. Uh, I encourage you to do that, and we we'd love to have your questions, comments, even if they're good ones. You don't just have to send us an email. So. So we've been doing this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, the work of the Spirit especially. Um, we're really ready to get in into uh, the main things that we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit, his work in our redemption. So that's what we're going to look at today. So to do that, though, I think it's best to make sure that everyone understands that the work of the Spirit is rooted in the work of Christ. So if we don't have the work of Christ for our redemption, we don't have the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. So they they are working together to accomplish the Father's plan of redeeming the people for his Son. The first thing is that we need to realize is that redemption was completed um, in the work of Christ. So that when Christ died and was ro- and rose from the dead, the salvation of God's people was completed. It was accomplished. It was a sure thing. 
Now, it has to be worked out in history, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. But the fact is that it was accomplished um, at that time when Christ died for sinners. Right? Yeah, and I think, I think Jeremy, that the one thing I would point out is I, um, the Ordo Salutis, I think we can certainly, f- and not, not that it's not important to talk about the work of Christ. Obviously, it is. Um, but um, we, I think so often we're not, um, to your point, we're not keeping the Trinitarian view of these things. Often, often people don't keep that Trinitarian view of how this works out. Right. And it's the, we tried to state at the very beginning that uh, the work, all of God's works are accomplished by every person of the Trinity, right? So right. there may right. be some person in the Trinity that's more upfront and prevalent. So when it comes to our sanctification, uh, growing holy, uh, uh, growing in spiritual maturity, the Spirit is the one who's up front. But like, you know, that's connected to the work of Christ. Right. So, so Christ in his, de- in his life, death, and resurrection accomplished salvation for uh, the people of God. But it's, as I said, it's got to be worked out in time. Part of that happens through the intercessory work of Christ at the right hand of the Father. So it's not as if Christ did something in the past and now his work is done and it's all time for the Spirit. Christ continues to work in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father to intercede for his people. And I believe confessionally and biblically, um, you can make the case that the work of the Spirit is happening in response to Christ's present intercession. Yeah. You know, we people think of Christ praying to the Father. And there may be a sense in which that's true, but um, it's it's more that on the basis of what Christ did on the cross, he's sending his spirit to do certain work. Is that- yeah, and, and that's the point of, um, I think that's the point of, or Paul's point um, in, in Romans 8, I think it's Romans 8, where he talks about the spirit interceding for us uh, and on our behalf. Um, you know, and, and that's, I think is, um, is connected directly to, uh, like you said, to Christ's work. And I, I think that's Paul's point as we read there in Romans eight. Um, and, and I mean, you know, so, and Hebrews, I know Hebrews has a lot to say about, you know, Christ's high priestly work. Um, but it never, it's never disconnected, as you said, from the, from the work of the Holy spirit. Right. It's, it's as if it's not as if Christ is up there in the heavens away from us. And the Spirit is here with us, and the Spirit is the one bringing all that Christ accomplished to our hearts and actually doing the work. Similar to what we see in creation. I mean, the Father, the Father spoke, the Son was the Word, and the Spirit was the one hovering over the waters, um, forming and filling everything that God, um, God desired to create. So, we see the exact same thing happening in our salvation. We need to understand that, that Christ's work is accomplished. And on the basis of Christ's current intercession, the spirit is working to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. So then 
that's the accomplishment of redemption, but the application of redemption is the ongoing work of the Spirit, where the Spirit's bring, bringing the grace that Christ has in the the treasure, the treasures of merit, right? Mm, but right. it's not the merit to the saints; it's the merits of Christ, and Christ gives all of that to His people through the work of the Spirit. Well, and and truthfully, you know, um, John Murray uh, in his book "Redemption Accomplished and Applied," um, and and obviously for those who don't know who John Murray was, John Murray was a, a Scottish, <coughs> excuse me, Presbyterian. Um, and it, and he covers a lot of this in his in his work, um, and and I, I that we're you know that we're covering. So I mean, obviously, if somebody probably wants a, a resource to even flesh this out further than what we're able to get to, it probably would be a, a good resource for them to at least start diving into this topic. Let's talk further about how then the Spirit applies that work. Um, for you mentioned already the Ordo Salutis. Um, you want to tell us what that is tim like yeah, just, right it's just a it's a nice it's a nice word i like i like nice words and so it just means um you know order of salvation so uh order of salvation and 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 i think um in that um we need to keep in mind that that uh, it it is a um, largely, at least it is an in-house conversation it's an important conversation but it is an in-house conversation um so that you know different different Theologians will place uh, different um, different workings at different points. So, for instance, I'll give, I'll give you for instance of what I'm talking about. Um, so, for, for instance, John Murray, he'll uh, he'll place um, you know calling first, and then he'll place regeneration, and then faith, and then on and repentance, and on down. Whereas um, someone like, um, uh, a, a big hero of mine uh, in the faith, uh, Abraham Kuyper would put justification first and then work from there. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the way we, we view and order, uh, the, the order of salvation being applied to us in, in real time, uh, but well, both in real, in real time, as well as, I guess in 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 history in in uh, in eternity. I I hate to say eternity past, but but in in eternity itself. Yeah, that's an oxymoron. Eternity yeah, past. right. So, um, well, and one of the important things to remember is that when we talk about this, is really just the way the Spirit works out our salvation, and the order of salutis is supposed to be a logical order. Okay, not chronological. Right. Um, much of this will seem like, from our perspective, it all happens instantaneously. Yeah. Um, so we're we're not trying to say, well, first this happens and then first this happens. We're we're saying logically, this has to precede this and this has to come after this. So this is a this is a matter of seeing the logical connections or the causal connections be between these things, not, not the temporal right. order of how it all works out. Well, and, and even for instance, in our confessional documents, like the 1689 <clears throat> for our, for our work, or even in the Westminster, uh, cause obviously 1689 covers the, the Westminster, but, um, or, or follows the Westminster largely, but, you know, even in the order of chapters, um, I think we see, uh, we see them, 
fleshing out their their view on exactly what you know what they believe the that order of salvation is right so um so the traditional from a, a confessional baptist perspective some people who hold to the 1689 london confession the order salutis would be something like this it'd be election calling regeneration conversion justification adoption sanctification perseverance and glorification. Most of this comes from Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. Now, I don't really believe that that's the intent of Paul to give the ordo salutis. <laughs> However, that's that's generally that's generally the way it's looked at. And the the things that are missing from Romans 8:30 are added in because logically this Election has to be, happen before calling, and calling has to come before conversion, so on and so forth. Now, so, as Tim's already pointed out, there may be some who see a different logical order, and that's something that uh, we can discuss. But our point today isn't really who's right about the order as right. much as introducing it so that we understand the connection between the work of Christ that happened in the past the work of Christ is going on currently in heaven for us people and how that's connected to the work of the spirit. And then, then to see how the spirit brings each of these things to pass. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew, is there anything else we need to say about this? Have we confounded you? No, I think you're good. Are we confounding anyone else? I would hope not. (laughs) <laughs> who knows though you never know well we could talk about superlapsarian versus infra and <laughs> yeah let's not do that today <laughs> no we're this this is supposed to be practical so let's try to let's try not to do that so um normally when when you see the order loses it starts with election um we're not going to talk about election because that's typically not viewed as a work of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, right. this is the ground, this is the foundation for the Ordo Salutis, God's decision to save sinners in time past. But, and, and the Spirit is involved in this in the eternal plan of redemption, but it's not typically thought of as a work of the Spirit. So the first thing in the Ordo Salutis that really touches on the Holy Spirit is calling slash regeneration. So uh, let's take some time to talk about, now, talk about these things. I don't really think that (laughs) effectual calling and regeneration are two different things. They're more um, looking at the same thing from a different perspective, right? So calling has to do with the work of the spirit. Regeneration has to do with the effect in the heart of the sinner. So ultimately, they're they're the same things, uh, just from a different perspective. And and this again, this as you'll see, this logically has to proceed um, a person repenting and believing the gospel, as we explain what effectual calling and regeneration is. So effectual calling, and I'll, I'll define it by using the 
Baptist Catechism. Uh, question 34 says, what is effectual calling? The answer is, effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds and the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. So, a couple things here. One thing that's very obvious at the very start of this definition is that it's the work of the Spirit. Hence the reason we're discussing this. <laughs> it's a work of the Holy Spirit primarily. And then the next part is the means by which the Spirit does this work. First, he convinces us of our sin and misery. Again, so you see already how this calling has to happen before a person repents. If you're not convinced of your sin and your misery, you're not going to repent because you're right. not going to see the need to repent. And so this is the Spirit's work. And while this doesn't say it, the, the content, it's not as if the Spirit just zaps your mind and suddenly you're aware of your sinfulness. Though I, the Spirit could do that. He's more than capable. But the Spirit works in conjunction with the Word of God. And specifically here, it would be the law of God that would convince us of our sin and our misery. So when, when the law of God is being preached, what we're saying is there's actually two preachers. Mm-hmm. There's the outward preacher that's preaching the message, that's bringing that conviction to your heart. But there's also the inward preacher, the Holy Spirit, who's in this definition uses us enabling us to see this our sin and the depth of our depravity so yeah. the the word and spirit you'll always see the word and spirit working together because that's how the spirit works right right and and you know i think that it that's it that's an imperative um thing to understand it's imperative truth to understand that <clears throat> excuse me um that that the spirit and the and the word are never going to work apart the word is if you will, the outward call uh, and the spirit is, is, is taking the word and applying that, uh, applying that word inwardly um, as the catechism says here. But I mean, I, I think so often what, what we do is, uh, particularly when we're systematizing things and, and don't get me wrong, systematic theology is, is very, very important. Um, I love it. But at the same time, we can get to a point to where we're so separating things that um, it's like with, you know, what we said earlier, um, both earlier in the podcasts uh, that we did, as well as, um, you know, with what you just said earlier, Jeremy, um, that, um, you know, keeping that Trinitarian viewpoint. Well, in this sense, you know, we have to keep that, we have to keep the word and spirit um not we don't need to separate we can't separate that they're working uh the spirit is working in unison with the word of god right but there is it, it's it's right though to talk about them separately just sure. so we understand that they're they're not <laughs> it's you're not going to get the word without the spirit you're not going to get the spirit without the word um, i mean we we spent a whole episode talking about the spirit's inspiration of the word of god so uh, this is obviously important. Do you have anything to add, Matthew? No, just that okay. the word and the spirit 
always act dependent upon each other, even though they have separate uses, separate ways of doing the same work. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I think the distinction is outward and inward. Right. Yeah. They're not independent from each other. They're always tied together. Right. Um, so the, the next way the spirit works, he convinces us of our sin and misery, but he also enlightens our minds in the knowledge of Christ. So he, he's working in our reason um, and helping us to understand what Christ has accomplished on the cross. So the law helps us to understand our sin and misery. And the, it's the gospel that helps us to uh, understand who Christ is and what he accomplished on the behalf of sinners. And the Spirit uses that gospel to inform us and help us to understand how it applies to us. We, we see that we're sinners, and, and, and then we understand that Christ is the answer for sin. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, that's right. I mean, I mean, I, I think the I think the, the catechism s- s- summarizes it well, uh, and and what you just said, I think, is is very good. And I, I don't know if we should say anything about enlighten our minds. Um, you know, our this assumes that the condition of human nature is that the minds, their minds are darkened, and they wouldn't be able to see this apart from the work of the spirit. And this is why Jesus teaches in John chapter three, that uh, you cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So you, you can't even perceive this reality of salvation and the gospel without the work of the spirit on your heart. This has to come before you even can see it right. Well, right. And, and that's, I mean, that's the reason why Paul is able to pray. So in, for instance, in Ephesians chapter one, um, and, and again, later, uh, I think it's in chapter three that he prays again, uh, his pastoral prayer and, and part of his pastoral prayer for the church at Ephesus was that their minds would be enlightened so that they could comprehend all of all of this, you know, the the length and depth and width and and height of of, of the love of God for us in Christ, and so, you know, that's part of his. <clears throat> excuse me, that's part of it. And he calls the Spirit there, I believe, like the Spirit of Wisdom. Um, and there's another title I don't remember, but it's 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 there in um, in Ephesians one, I think it's seventeen and eighteen there. So I mean, you can go look that up. But I mean, it, I, I think that's that's an imperative to understand of what you're talking about is the reason why Paul can pray that for the believer is because of the Spirit's work in us and his prayer that the Spirit in His work would would do this and only can be done in us who are who believe. Right, and then then the final thing the Spirit does in the effectual calling is he renews our wills again just like enlightening makes it sound it implies that our minds are darkened Uh, renewing our wills implies that there's a problem with our wills and the bible uh, teaches that we are we are slaves to sin and so our our will in the fall was messed up Um, we 
while we are able to make make choices, we don't have a free will. And therefore, in order for us to choose Christ, our wills need to be renewed. And it's the work of the it's the spirit who does that. So again, in each of these things, I want I just want to keep saying that we see why this has to be the logical order, right? Because right. you can't repent unless you're convinced of your sin and misery. You can't believe the gospel unless your minds have been, been enlightened to understand the knowledge of Christ. And you won't choose those things as long as your will has not been renewed by the Holy Spirit. Right. And all of these things are accomplished in the effectual call. Yeah, and, 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 and honestly, I would say that um, to neglect the Spirit's work here is, is to neglect, would be to neglect the, 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 the work of Christ um, be, because um, of, of the application of Christ's work, you know, being applied, not just accomplished, but also being applied. And, and so for, I mean, again, you know, we certainly understand that it's fine to understand the diff, you know, that the two, the two differences, the work of Christ and study this versus the work of the spirit. It's fine to study it, but by, by neglecting the work of the Spirit, I think if we're not careful, we can end up neglecting the work of Christ. We'd sort of leave it in the accomplished arena without ever seeing how it applies. Right. And in, in all of this is possible, the convincing, the enlightening, the renewing, all of it is made possible through the work of Christ on the cross. Right. Spirit doesn't accomplish this alone. He accomplishes it through what Christ accomplished uh, through his work on the cross. So then it finally closes with saying he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. So it's persuasive. It, this cause persuasive. It's enabling us um, so that we can freely embrace Christ. It's not as if we're kicking and screaming not wanting to come to Christ and the spirit is dragging us by the nape of our neck and saying, you're going to believe buddy. But the spirit works in such a way as to, as we willingly and freely want to come to Christ and there's nothing else we want beside him. Well, right. And, and I, the only other thing that I would, I would add to this would be um, there is a sense uh, I, I know we're talking about the effectual call, but there is also a sense in which every time the gospel is preached, there is a there is a general call that is placed uh, every time the gospel is preached. There's a general call um, through the word to come, and, and and that's what the catechism mentions here that that there is this happening, but it's the Spirit who then makes it effectual to us. So just just point that out, right? And it it's the Spirit that makes the difference. Yes. So um, the word I put in my notes to uh, Matthew twenty two fourteen, but it says it says there many are called, few are chosen. So mm. the idea there is that the the number of people that are called are greater than the people who will who will respond. This is yeah. the this is what you're calling the general call. Yeah. Uh, it's and the general call is is the preaching of the law and gospel so that anybody who hears the preaching yeah. of the law and gospel has in general been called to believe in Christ 
but without the work of the Spirit, no one no one will respond. And it's again, as I just said, it's the Spirit who makes the difference. That's right. It's not you're smarter or more righteous than your neighbor. It's the work of the Spirit that re- convinces, enlightens, and renews and brings you to that point. Well, and and this isn't um, just just to make a quick point on this on what you just said. This isn't because of that. This isn't uh, you know this isn't a reformed doctrine or a Calvinistic doctrine. I mean, even even the Methodists believe this, and they're teaching on prevenient grace that the Spirit has sort of been given a little bit to everybody or enabled people just in general to be able to do this. And so, so, so any Orthodox Christian is going to believe this is, is my point. Um, so this, this, this doesn't belong, you know, yes, there are some, some, some differences in the way we think this works itself out, but this isn't just a reformed Calvinistic doctrine. Uh, this is a, this is a, this is a Christian doctrine. Right. So um, let's, Let's talk briefly then about how regeneration relates to the effectual call. Now, I don't—I didn't put a lot in my notes, but I think the main difference is the, pers- like I said, the perspective. Um, the effectual call is is what's is the work of the Spirit outside of you and inside of you, and um, regeneration is the effect. That's what. So when the Spirit convinces, enlightens, and renews your will. That's that's what regeneration is. Is that, you think that's right? Yeah, I, I think that's most certainly correct, yeah. Right, so, and then the, the Bible talks about regeneration. Um, John chapter 3 is one of the best places where Jesus teaches that you must be born again. That idea is regeneration. So regeneration is a new birth. where It's a new start. Um, it's also uh, Ezekiel 36 talks about it in the sense of uh, a new heart. Uh, and that's really a powerful analogy for what uh, Christ through his spirit is doing in us. Uh, he talks about our, our hearts being hard and stone and we're given a heart of flesh that the law of God is written on. And we, and it changes us from people who, resist the spirit and re- and refuse to obey to, sp- to people who comply to the spirit and willingly and freely desire to obey Christ. Uh, Paul talks in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 about regeneration, uh, be- get- being new life, uh, a resurrection from the dead, really, because we're dead in our trespasses and sin and we're raised to newness of life. So it's, it's not just a moral reformation that we're talking about here. It's not just a change in your manners or that you're going to be a nicer person. Um, it's, it's talking about being starting all over again, whether it's having being born again or having a new heart or, or being resurrected from the dead. It's all, the whole point is, we're starting over from scratch. This is a brand new life that we're embarking on. This so it's a it's a radical change, not just turning a new leaf and trying to do better. Right. And it, That's right. And it's the work of the spirit. And it that will have an effect, as we'll see in the coming weeks as we under explore more of what the spirit does in us. But 
regeneration is a is a powerful reality in the life of believers, not not just some tiny little thing that we don't worry about. Any other thoughts? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's. I mean, I think you've covered it. I think we've covered it pretty well. So, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but what are what are some ways that this helps us in our in our walk with Christ? Well, obviously, the Spirit Himself empowers us, right? I mean, He empowers us to understand the Word. He empowers us to walk with Christ. And in Christ, and I mean, that's why we have the fruit of the Spirit uh, in Galatians 5. Um, this is why Paul is so zealous to guard the gospel uh, and not allow it to be made illegitimate. There we go. And and, and this, this is why, you know, he, uh, I, I want to keep this all G. And so um, this is why he wants, why he wants this to, you know, he's protecting it. And, and this is wise because he wants the, the church, the churches in Galatia to understand, you know, uh, if, if you start, um, you know, allowing this to become illegitimate and then, then there's all kinds of consequences. And one of the consequences is the, the work of the spirit and the spirit, the spirit's work within, within them. I think Another thing that this does practically is it frees us from the idea that when it comes to evangelism, it's all about us. Somehow we have to force the issue. Like if we just yell loud enough and long enough, then of course they're going to understand. Because all of us have met people who wanted nothing to do with the gospel at one point. And then later it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? Because ultimately it's the work of the spirit. And if the spirit doesn't work, we're not going to have a clue. It's just going to sound like empty words or brass symbol or however you want to describe it. And so I think it frees us to simply proclaim the word and trust the spirit to do his work. Well, in that regard, I think it encourages us us to pray probably more than we evangelize right (laughs) or at least as much as we evangelize yeah i mean agreed i mean you know when so i mean i I don't do a lot of street preaching but i do some street preaching uh we went and did some street preaching in cincinnati more of uh, i guess uh, outreach work uh, in front of the planned parenthood surgical center there in cincinnati and um just tried to you know call out to mothers hey come talk to us you know we have some information and tried to give the gospel away to them you know gave them tracks gave them some different information um and ultimately you know as as i mean obviously we need to be the ones working uh, doing that but in the i mean it's, as matthew said it's the spirit that that ultimately puts teeth uh, gives teeth to those words. He he gives, you know, he's the one that applies it. He's the one that works through it. Um, so while we're being faithful, um, you know, again, as Matthew said, we're trusting spirit that he's the one that that's going to take this. I would say another important way that this applies is that the credit for our salvation goes to God. God yeah. gets the glory. We, we, give thanks to God because we realized that there's no way we could have given ourselves a new heart. Uh, we couldn't go back to our mother's womb and be born again. We, we couldn't have raised ourselves from the spiritual death. So we, we give the credit and the glory to God for all that he's accomplished in us. And if we see someone else repent and believe the gospel, 
Um, all the glory goes to God for it. We don't get big heads and think we're um, great evangelists or whatever. Um, we know we know the credit goes to God. Well, that's um, right, because otherwise you end up with, and I'm, I'm, I wish I was even joking about this, And but, you know, I heard an evangelist one time say that he was glad he was smart enough to, to believe the gospel. Um, that's that, that's so dumb. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, that, that's just ridiculous. But I w- but on, on top of all this, too, guys, I would say, and I, I think you, obviously you guys are going to agree with me, not because I'm saying it, but because it's uh, it's true. Um, it also frees the the pastor to preach uh, the word of God and to counsel from the word of God. Um, obviously we, we all sin and we make mistakes, but as we're preaching the word, right, we're not relying on ourselves, you know, because I mean, he can take a broken vessel like any, any of us, and he can use us to stand behind uh, the pulpit and preach the word of God. And, and, and we can trust the Lord that his work is going to be done as long as we're faithfully preaching the word. Yeah. And it, it, you know, this should, this should shape our, how we have our, worship services and all kinds of things, but uh, we don't have time to talk about all those things. <laughs> so, yeah. The spontaneous think, words from God, right? Yeah. Well, I was thinking <laughs> altar calls, but uh, well, <laughs> both yeah, that too would apply. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I, I think that's all for this time. And we'll, uh, we'll talk more about the Holy spirit and his work in our salvation in our, next episode. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, comments, and hope for and dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But we want to thank you again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.